today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite from our guest today. He's a film composer from my home state of Louisiana. Now, he scored over 90 projects across all media. He's collaborated with composers such as Joel McNeely, Nathan First, and David Newman. Additionally, he's presented lectures on film music at such institutions as New York University, Emory University, and Louisiana State University. So I hope that all of you will please join me in welcoming Andrew Morgan Smith to the program. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Frank. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to this. Uh, uh, you and I have connected on Facebook, and so I've learned about some things you've got going on these days, but which we will get to a, a little bit later in the program. But uh, as my listeners know, I always like to find out a little bit more about the, the person first before we kind of get into other things. So I was curious if you could just uh, kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, growing up, family, parents, you know, uh, adult life, family, and those sorts of things. Just kind of give us a chance to kind of get to know who you are as a person. Yeah, man. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I've been excited to get on this thing for a while. So I know we've been talking about it for a while, so glad we're finally here. Yeah. Um, so I, I was born and raised in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is um, <clears throat> kind of Cajun country, uh, South Central uh, Louisiana, kind of by the Gulf Coast. Um but it's it probably its biggest claim to fame is kind of being Cajun country, um, you know, lots of um, lots of music culture, Cajun culture, kind yep. of a, an interesting melting pot um, area. Uh, and, you know, growing up, I, I have two sisters and um, my dad was a lawyer, but he was a, he was, uh, you know, he was actually a tuba performance major and then a journalist and then became a lawyer. Wow. So music was always kind of, yeah, music was always kind of <clears throat> ever present in our lives. Um, you know, we, we, um, so that was, that was kind of my, my background. I ended up going to college there as well at, uh, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette and, uh, got, uh, two degrees. I married, uh, my wife who, uh, now of, I guess about 12 years, 12 years okay. this summer. Um, uh, Got to get that uh, date right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've got to make sure. <laughs> but it's changing all the time, you know. In a couple yeah. years, it won't be 12 anymore. So, um, <laughs> but, 
so we got married. Uh, she was a French horn performance major. And um, uh, we now have, uh, you know, 12 years in, we have five kids and wow. uh, two dogs. And my kids have two lizards. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you got a house full, to say the least. Very much so. Yeah. It's always well, a party. Definitely always a party. Yeah. So, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I am curious then, I mean, maybe you can expand on it a little bit. What was it that kind of got you interested in music? And probably more importantly, why, I mean, why film music? That sounds kind of, that's a little bit bizarre. I could see, you know, pop or jazz or something like that, but film music's kind of, you know, unusual or whatever for people to be interested in, at least, you know, for some of us, not for me and my listeners but so what was it that got you interested in music and then and more specifically uh film music yeah so we had we started out uh, i mean like we, we i was always music was always kind of ever present in our lives like i said and um i remember my dad having um a cassette tape of a boston pops recording uh it was called pops in space i very vividly remember this cassette tape that that had like it was um you know uh excuse me, it was a uh, like UFO with an orchestra playing in it. And I remember listening to the cassette and like looking at the cassette, um, you know, like art- artwork. And um, that was like some of my earliest memories of film music. And I remember always loving it. And at the time, I probably hadn't even seen half the half the scores that were on there. <clears throat> um, in fact, some of the recordings I brought today are from that album. The huh. um, the the Superman um, March is from that pops and space album. Um, okay. and so uh, from a very early age, like the, I was kind of involved in that. And, um, it, my dad being a former music major, um, all three of us, my sisters and myself all took piano lessons, um, from a, starting in about first grade. And, um, you know, that evolved into being in high school band and then being, and then in high school, um, I, I kind of always liked film music because my dad listened to it and we always kind of were listening to it, but I, I didn't see it as any kind of career. Um, and then in sophomore year of high school, I, we saw the pirates of the Caribbean movie. And for whatever reason, it just really clicked at that time. I saw the movie like seven times in theaters. Um, you know, I, and for just whatever reason, just that movie, um, that movie was the thing that, <laughs> that like made it click, even though I loved Star Wars, I loved all these different movies for whatever reason, just that really did it for me. Um, that hooked you, yeah. Yeah. And then from there, um, you know, I, I kind of started to, and I had kind of dabbled in composition before that, you know, in Sibelius, like some, some notation software, but didn't see it as any kind of, any kind of uh, career. Most of my composition actually was in piano lessons. I didn't want to practice piano. So I told the teacher I was, I was writing music and I just didn't want to actually practice. <laughs> I was just making something. Uh, now I do that for a living. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that was like kind of the initial um, interest, right? It was just that in high school, just that was the snap that made me um, want to do that. And so as a result of that happening in high schools, when you went into uh, college, that's what you decided to study and major in, I guess. Yeah, I had an interesting interaction with a with a film composer named John Keltonic. He actually lives in, um, I think he still does, lives in Richmond, Virginia. 
And um, and he uh, he happened he knew my aunt and uncle. We had gone to visit, and they said, "Oh, you want to be a film composer?" Oh, thank you, thank you, Google, for popping on there. Um, I'll restart that idea so you don't have to hear that pop noise. No, um, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I I thought uh, it recorded it, but anyway. Um, so I went to I met this film composer in Richmond, Virginia, um, because he knew my aunt and uncle. Uh, I think they went to the same church or something, and and we went over there. And, um, you know, I had never met a film composer before. It was all very interesting. And um, and that was kind of the first introduction. He kind of just said he was like, you know, major in something else in college. And then, you know, you can always do film composition, like just have a backup plan, you know. <laughs> um, and so I did not listen to him. I went into the music media department at UL, which is like a music production uh, which had, it has a film scoring portion. Um, and I ended up going to college for that. And I ended up double majoring in music composition as well. Cause there was only a couple more hours, um, involved. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was kind of the route I, um, I took getting into it. And, um, you know, I, it, Part of why I did that double major was so I could get, I wanted to go to USC for their film scoring master's degree. Yeah. Um, and it just ended up not happening. I, I had, um, I needed to have a comp degree. I needed to have like prerequisite, you know, needs to get into that program. So I was meeting all their, their degree requirements or whatever their, their prerequisites. Sorry. Okay. And, um, and uh, I actually was taking private lessons from a teacher there named Jack Smalley. We were doing correspondence lessons where I would send him my score and I'd send him, you know, a recording of it. He would write it up and send it back. Um, and uh, and I ended up starting. Um, I ended up getting a job writing music for some TV movies before, like as I was graduating college. So I ended up never going to USC. Um, but that was kind of my journey. Um through my education, you know. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that gives a good sense of it. That's that's great. Now, you mentioned uh the uh Superman march. We thought we might go ahead and play that and you and it's sure. and it's interesting. You didn't choose the original recording. You chose the uh the one from the uh, uh Pops and Space recording. So, uh written obviously by John Williams. It's one of my favorites as well. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to choose that amongst your favorites. I mean, I guess you already have, but maybe just reiterate it. Yeah, of course. I think that, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think for sure it was just, it was just an interesting idea. I, I had the thought of like, Oh, I just remember this, this cassette. Um, and I, I mean, it's a great March. It's awesome. More movies need to have marches in them anyway now, but, yeah. um, but I, I just thought it was, it was something that was a bit sentimental, right? Yeah. Um, as like one of my earliest film music memories. So that was why I picked this recording specifically instead of a different one. No, that makes sense. Makes total sense. Well, let's, uh, let's have our listeners have a, have a a listen for themselves. Again, this is the uh, Superman March. It's from the album called pops in space. And of course it's written by the maestro John Williams.
I mentioned in the introduction that you know you've worked on a, a whole bunch of different projects. What I was curious about is how is it that you approach a new project? Let's say you, uh, you know, you you get the gig, so to speak, and they say, well, you know, here you go. Just talk to me a little bit about what's your process. What is it that you go through in order to try and eventually create a a final product, a final score? Uh, a few things. I mean, I think that uh, what I really I like to talk to whoever whoever's going to be the driving force in the movie uh, or project. So if it's if it's a TV show, I you know, or a TV project, or whoever happens to be the creative behind the behind the scenes. Right. Um, I always like to have a conversation with them and kind of get a feel for where they want to be emotionally and um, and textually. Um, that could mean, you know, it could get into nitty gritty of very specifics, you know, of like, oh, we want orchestral music. We want this. We want that. But I, I a lot of times prefer um, to kind of let the material speak for itself when it comes to what kind of music we're going for. Um, yeah. So that's usually kind of comes into play whenever we're watching the movie. And, but I, I do like to kind of get emotional terms from, from the creative. So, you know, we need a dark score. I want it intimate. I want it big, you know, stuff that I always like to tell, to tell directors and stuff whenever they I'll get, a, I'll get this note a lot from directors or this, this feedback. They say, I don't, I don't know any musical terms. Like, I don't know any, I don't know how to say anything. I don't know what a crescendo is. I don't know what a bass is. And I'm like, right. I actually, I prefer it that way. I would rather you talk to me in how, like, in how you talk about the emotions of your script or the emotions of your movie or your project rather than I want this because I want oboe is a very specific thing, right? Yeah. But if you say, I need something lighter that has this emotional quality to it. Now there's a whole arsenal of things we can do you know, that we can experiment with and try. Um, I mean, I, I'm almost yeah. risky in saying this, but isn't it Now you don't have to agree or disagree, but sometimes isn't it better that a, a director doesn't have a lot of musical knowledge? <laughs> yeah. I, I think actually, I mean, it, it, it can be useful, right? Like it's still useful sometimes. Um, and I've had great collaborations with directors who have musical training. Um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, there's this there's this middle ground of like if you want a true collaboration and things um just having more options can be very useful right so and and maybe you maybe you still arrive at the same conclusion maybe they do really want an oboe right so if they ask for an oboe you know then you get an oboe you get them Um, but on the other hand i've i've heard stories there's one anecdote of a of a director who asked for clarinet and they get to the scoring stage. This is obviously before mock-ups were a thing, before you'd have electronic representations of the scores. Right. And, um, you know, the, the first solo comes up and it's a clarinet and the clarinet's playing out and the director's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Goes out onto the stage, auditions every instrument, and then gets the oboe and goes, that's the clarinet, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. So now you, have to ran, you have to scramble to to fix that. And, and it's not, it's just one of those things where, and, and that kind of stuff is kind of rare now because you, the mock-ups are so good and, and it, you, you kind of know what you're getting before you get to the stage or you, or if you're even going to record at all. Right. Um, but at the same time, it is, it is a bit, um, you know, you just, 
like I said, you, you get to the same place maybe, but the collaboration, it's not as collaborative if they're writing the music for you, you know? Right. But, but I, and I think your key word there is collaboration. People need to understand it's, even though it's, you know, music by Andrew or whatever, it, it, it doesn't mean that you were total in total control of it. It is a collaboration. Let's face it. It's a, a collaborative art form. I mean, uh, and, yeah. and, and your point too, about the, uh, because for some of us, myself included, you know, we, for those of us that have followed film music, yeah, there was a long time where it was like, you know, all right, let me sit down at the piano and I'm going to play you what it's going to sound like. And that was all you had. Yeah. And these days it's entirely different. You can computer generate basically an entire orchestra, can't you? Yeah. I mean, that's a good portion of what we hear every day. I mean, yeah. that most TV shows don't have the money or the time to record. They just don't. I mean, the turnaround is so fast. Um, you know, we're, some people are churning out scores. I've heard scores being churned out for, um, for TV and TV movies and stuff in as little as two weeks, oh, um, wow. maybe even less. Um, yeah. Just be for for every reason from production delays to you know just bad planning or whatever whatever the re- and sometimes it's just stuff completely out of your control. You know, um, what's the quickest turnaround you've ever done? I've done a movie in five days. Whoa! You mean um, you wrote and recorded? Well, no, not written and recorded. It was all mock up. It's all oh, okay. electronic. Oh, still, um, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. For multiple reasons. One of the biggest reasons I realized uh, is is like no one knows you wrote it in five days. Right. So so (laughs) they just they just know what the final product is. So I try to keep in mind if I sign on to a project that I I have to be okay with whatever comes out because my name's going to be on it. I mean, I guess you could try and not put your name on something, (laughs) but like but generally, generally the audience doesn't know whether you wrote it in five days or in two months or in three months. They just know whether it works or not. Yeah. Or, or do they even care to be honest? I mean, it's, you know, well, if it's a bad score, it's a bad score. Yeah. Right? And, and we're they not talking about, yeah. When you say five days, we're not talking about working nine to five, five days. I mean, I, I suspect there were some long late nights. Yeah. That was very long. That was, I wouldn't do that now. Yeah. I would just, that was, I was cutting my teeth. I, it was a, it was an emergency situation. I got called oh, yeah. on that movie. Um, because, uh, the producers called me from the dub stage, which is like the final mix stage. And the producer called me with the mix engineer and said, Hey, we are working on this movie. It does not, the score does not work at all. Like it just doesn't work. Um, could you finish this by Friday? It was like Monday, you know, they send me the movie and it did not work. It didn't work. It was very weird. Um, I even asked, I actually even followed up with the mixer and was like, is the is the score in the right place like things that just didn't quite line up it was very strange wow um but and i did but what an movie. opportunity i can see why you jumped on that even yeah. though it was you know next to impossible yeah i mean it was it was a, it was an experience um i'm glad to have had the experience like i said I, I it was early in my career so i learned on the fly about that of right you know it's not like i said it's 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 about what the final product is going to be because your name is on it. So if, and, and if it's bad, then it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And, but you, and your, and your story isn't necessarily a, a an outlier. I mean, I, I, I've heard several stories. I'm not going to bore my listeners with one of my favorite stories. They already know it, but 
there are lots of examples out there of someone who's trying to break into it and they get this golden opportunity, but it's tight timeline yeah. for, lo- for low pay. And you say, I'm there, I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, and so I, you know, that's yeah, understandable. That's- well, and that's the, that's the thing is that you have to be, especially early in your career. I mean, that's, I, I was joking about, um, the, you know, I, I sometimes have joked with friends of mine who are producing movies and as production goes on, if they have more and more problems, they're like, man, it just feels more and more likely that you're going to call me. <laughs> and the reason, the reason for that is, you know, if they had, if they had a huge budget and they hadn't gone over budget and they hadn't had this problem or that problem, then they have quadruple the budget. Right. And then it's like, oh, well, we can go after whoever we want. We can get an A-lister for whatever our budget is um, and they'll do it, you know. So I think to some extent, and that's been like just at different times in my career. Um, thankfully, I feel like I can be a little more choosy now. But but that has been um, a case. Like you're saying, if you're if you're in the right place at the right time, ready to work, and someone calls you up and says, "Hey, I have this movie. The composer flaked on me, and I need something," and you can say, "Yeah, let's do it." And like regardless of what the um, regardless of what the project is like, that's how people get in, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's dive into another one of your choices. Uh, another favorite of mine too. And a favorite composer of mine, uh, I'm talking about the film star Trek. And I believe the cue is called first contact. It's written by composer, Jerry, Go- Jerry Goldsmith, right? Yeah. This is the main title sequence for the movie star Trek first contact. And it's, it's not the overture. It's the main title. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the things I loved about that film was it brought back and, and, and it's been used occasionally, but I, I love the old time, you know, having an overture first with a you know, blank screen before the movie starts, but uh, that's, that's yeah. another conversation. Yeah. Anyway, tell, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to choose this amongst your favorites. Um, I mean, I love Jerry Goldsmith. I love, I love science fiction. I love Star Trek. Um, and also just from a personal standpoint, I, um, I did a conducting workshop back in 2015 and, um, I actually got to conduct this piece, um, with a bunch of great LA musicians in, in, um, you know, like one of my favorite Star Trek overture, like Star Trek main title sequences and like, uh, one of my, some of my favorite themes and being able to conduct it, you know, with some of the best musicians in the world was an amazing experience. I this bet. is not that recording, obviously this is the real, <laughs> this is the real yeah, recording. But still, of it. I mean, but. what, what a thrill that must be. You know, everybody has a bucket list and, I, and one of my bucket list items, and I'm not, I know nothing basically about music, but just once, just once I'd like to be up in front of an orchestra and conduct something just once. And maybe yeah. one day it'll happen. I don't know. But anyway, Look there, there are ways to make this happen. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. Well, let's let's have a listen to this. This is again from the film Star Trek. The uh, the cue is called First Contact. It's basically the main theme, and it's written by composer one of my favorites, Jerry Goldsmith.
you mentioned that you, uh, and it's pretty obvious from the first couple of cues that we've played here, that you like science fiction. So there's you know, obviously there's a genre that you uh, particularly like. Um, are there other genres that 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 you like that you know, given the opportunity, you'd like to score them? Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm from a consumer standpoint, science fiction and and um and action adventure are some of my favorite. It it's just <clears throat> it's just interest. I love I love being able to kind of explore musically, and I think that those two genres kind of let us do that in a way that not always, but often is isn't a. I'm not going to say allowed. Is is just not is not the norm, right? Like. Whenever you're trying to just when you're world building like you do in a science fiction movie or an action adventure movie, you, you no one says to John. Well, no one says anything to John Williams, but no one says to John Williams, <laughs> like, you know, that scene where their bikes are flying and that aliens in the front. That doesn't feel very believable because the music's so big, you know, like no one says that. So so I, I really like that about getting to kind of engross the listener into a new world and world build. Um in a really, um, I think, magnificent way, uh, you know, just those world, those movies and those projects are just, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Like you kind of get to, um, you get to, to really kind of write big and no one's going to, uh, really fault you too much for it. Right. Um, whereas or if you're doing a drama demands it, I guess. Yeah. And when you're in it, when you're doing a drama, uh, even though I enjoy, I actually really enjoy kind of working in a lot, like wearing a lot of different hats and a lot of different styles. Um, because once you start doing, once you start working, you know, it's kind of frustrating when we go, okay, now here's the third, here's the third horror movie I've done in a row. Now, how am I going to do this to one different? <laughs> um, and it's, I always figure out a way, but that, that is like from a creative standpoint, you kind of feel like you're in a rut. So I do enjoy kind of wearing different hats and sonically being in different places. Um, but like whenever, you know, you have a conversation between two people in a small room, you can't play Star Trek. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much. It's just too much. (laughs) Well, so now I'm curious, you know, maybe there isn't one, but I'm curious, is there a a genre of film that, that you haven't done that you'd like to, or, or like to do more of? I mean, I think, I think science fiction is kind of my, uh my world that I would love to do more of. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just in my, it's one of my favorite, uh, genres, not only in film, but also in literature. Um, you know, just, it, you get to explore topics in science fiction that you can't do in normal settings, right? Yeah. Whether that's, you can do it through, you know, whatever, whatever the topic du jour is, you can, you can explore it in science fiction in a way that, that it it just doesn't come off the same whenever you do it in another way, right? In, in a normal, in a more grounded world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no no desire to do a romance or rom- a rom com or anything like that. Oh yeah, I mean I've I've done rom rom coms. They're fun. Okay. Uh, like I said, I I don't want to do exclusively one genre because then right. my head just you get stuck in that world, right? Like it, just. I like doing something that allows me to kind of have a palate cleanser, right? Once yeah. you've done, if you've done four thrillers back to back, you're like, okay, like I've done, I've done that. Not that I don't want to do it. I just, uh, you want to take a break for a minute. You know, the same reason why some, some actors kind of re, uh, reorient themselves after they've done a bunch of 
Marvel action movies or something. They want to do a right. drama because they want to have a, okay, I want to do something different. And not that I'm giving up that character, not that I'm giving up any ideas. I just, I just want to do something a little different, you know, change of pace. Yeah. 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 Well, we, been focusing a lot on science fiction and lo and behold, another one of your cues that comes up is science fiction. It's true. Um, we're talking about the film Jurassic park. The, uh, the cue is, uh, let's see, was it, uh, Oh, I can't read my own writing. Uh, indirected aisle Nubbar. uh, incident at Isla Nublar. Yeah. Okay. And the composer is John Williams. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, why was that uh, amongst your favorites? That well, you I guess I guess what I'm realizing about the things that I've picked is that most of them have some kind of emotional connection <laughs> to why I picked it. To, to, um, uh, emotional connection to your own life, you mean? My own life, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is another one of those uh, memories, uh, which I think all of these might end up being. Um, so I remember as a kid having the CD of this movie and I remember begging my parents to watch this movie. Um, I was born in 1988. So, um, you know, I was at five, I was probably a little young to watch Jurassic park. So for a long time, I had, was the only person in my friend group who hadn't watched it. I would put on this CD and I would like, I would make up all the things that were happening. Right. Huh. Cause I like vaguely knew the story of the movie. I vaguely right. knew what was happening in the movie. So I would like make up these stories of what would happen. And I very specifically remember like having this whole movie in my head of what was happening when I listened to this track, you know? Well, that's great though. That's, uh, th- that was the magic of it, especially going back a number of years. You're, you're right on the cusp of, of home video. Yeah, someone my age group for a long time we didn't have home video, so if you wanted to relive the movie, you'd put on the soundtrack. Yeah, and those images would help come back to your mind as you listen to it. Exactly, uh, and, and I can relate to the fact that you're talking about how it, you know you have an emotional connection or certain certain scores or certain cues I'll listen to, and and it will remind me not only of just the movie but of a particular time in my life or time of year or something like that. Uh, and, w- w- and it's a, it's a comforting, it's a, it's a, it's a neat thing. I like it. So, I mean, I, I kind of understand, I understand very well what you're, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Whenever well, you used to pretend to be a velociraptor and chase imaginary people around the room, that's what you used to do, right? <laughs> did you, did you that's never me? get to see it? In a, you didn't get to no, see I Jurassic did. Park? I, my, parents, my parents did eventually let me watch the VHS and uh, I had nightmares for like two years. <laughs> but, oh. But I mean, that, believe that was the, if I recall correctly, that was the first movie to come out with the sound system DTS. Mm, maybe. Uh, and, and, and it was a, at that time, it was a unique system because they had the, the picture was using film, but the audio was synced to a laser disc, mm. which provided all the sound. Okay. And I mean, oh, you saw it in a theater, especially I with you know, big subwoofers and those sort. It was, yeah. I mean, it's a horror away. movie. That, that's the thing about Jurassic. Park. It is a horror movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a monster movie. So oh, like, yeah. it's not. It's not. I mean, I remember I watched it at five or six, probably at like six, on like a our home, you know, our home TV. Right. And I was terrified. You know, oh, it had been ten times that if you saw it in the yeah. theater. I promise. Yeah. You. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> If you ever get a chance, and I, you know, I don't know if it'll, yeah, maybe on an anniversary, maybe it'll come out. You need to see it on the big screen; it, it would blow you away. Well, let's uh, let's 100%. have a listen to this cue. This is 
again from the film Jurassic Park. And it's written again, once again, by the maestro, John Williams. Sit back and enjoy.
We'll get back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, offset the time spent in putting the program together. Or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar. Either way, if you can join up, uh, there will be bonuses, like an additional 10 to 15 minute segment with our guest every week, where we'll play additional cues as well as ask uh, some extra questions. And it's going to be only available to patrons. How do you sign up? Well, it's simple. You go to patreon.com slash what's the score, and that's all one word. That's Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's the score. Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's Patreon.com. We've talked a lot about John Williams, so it only stands to follow. Maybe I need to ask you about this. What is it? Because we all have kind of our favorite composers. All my listeners know mine is John Barry, and I just, I just, there's, and a distant second is Jerry Goldsmith, and then after that, everybody kind of falls off. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's me. That's my bias, and I freely admit that. Um, but what is it about? Because you obviously have a very strong connection to to John Williams music an amazing composer who's had a prolific career that's continuing even today at age 90. Um, what is it about his music that, that, that kind of draws you or, or attracts you or uh, just, just talk to me a little bit about yeah, that. Of course. I don't know. I, and here's the funny thing. I don't know if I would call John Williams, my favorite composer. Oh, okay. Um, I think, I think really what it is, is that the stories that he scored are so uh, influential in my life. From from okay. from like yeah. a film standpoint, right? It's not necessarily that. I mean, and he's tremendous composer, right? Like I have I have very fond memories, but but whenever I think about the memories, it's it's just like this. Uh, it's more about the the emotional. I mean, it's the same thing that's happening in our uh, in, in in the songs that I picked. It's it's all these emotional connections that I've made to the properties that he scored, right? It's I understand. It's that it's it's just that. I mean, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, it was like his stuff, his music was my childhood, right? Like it was, it was, you know, uh, almost any movie that I, that I have a vivid memory of, save a couple, were, were scored by John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith or Alan Silvestri, um, you know, and, and I think that really made an impression on, on me. Right. Um, so I think that is kind of why, like it, 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 
it is the emotional content of what he writes. I mean, it, it's great. He's great at crafting themes. He's great at crafting, um, you know, different different ideas and um, and I and but I think it was more about the storytelling in the films than it was specifically um, his music, right? Um, I understand it's yeah. part of the whole package. I mean, it, and you're right. If you look at his filmography, I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. All, all the, the the top notch films that he's been connected with over the years. Yeah, I mean, a, a I, lot of it due to his, his collaboration with Spielberg. To be fair, that, that that's ended up being a really fruitful uh, exactly collaboration I mean, I, for the both of them. But and there are a lot of other other early um, you know other composers that I that are truly amazing. John Barry is great. His Out of Africa theme is great. Um, one of my favorites, actually. And then things like the Back to the Future score is just great by Alan Silvestri. You know, it's yep. It's just, um, it's just one of those things where, uh, I, I, I don't do well. I don't do well whenever they're like, who's your favorite composer? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, uh, for, you know for, for someone with five kids, it'd be like someone asking you, which one is your favorite? I yeah. mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously it's the, th- I'm not just kidding. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, it really is. It really is like, I have these fond memories, right? Like I, one of the tunes I almost included, which uh, audience say, don't worry, there's no more John Williams on this list, but, but I almost <laughs> included, um, uh, the uh well now i'm going to blank on the actual uh track title the 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 where the bikes take off in et i don't know why i'm spacing on that yeah i don't know the cue name either but i I think we all identify what it is yeah yeah and i and the reason why though is because i remember going to film night with the boston pops with my dad for a senior trip i was one of those kids i didn't i had a senior trip i went with my dad to go see the boston pops play film night (laughs) with John Williams, Yo-Yo Ma, and James Earl Jones there. Oh, and, wow. Um, and, and like, that was their encore, was they did, they did, you know, this, um, they did that piece. Yeah, flying like, bikes, or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, there's there's all this emotional baggage, <laughs> as you could oh. say, um, with all these tunes, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. More than the song, more, even whenever I was picking these out, I thought it was interesting. It's like more than the actual content. I mean, I love the music. Like it's not, but it also is like, it's just, they were formative. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You remember that time you watched Jurassic park. You remember that time that you watched jaws in the theater. Like I, I, most people I know who, who were, you know, of movie going age, whenever jaws came out, were like, yeah, I saw that in the theater. I didn't go in a pool for six months. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and it's it's interesting because um, the marriage of film storytelling and film and music is just in my mind it's almost inseparable, right? Like the the music. I mean, there are movies and there are plenty of movies where wow, the music is amazing. I wish the movie was better. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, but but for sure that that's an interesting thing that I found about myself as I dove through these. Um, you know, thinking about different options and what I wanted to put out there um, on these on 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 here, you know. Yeah. Well, let's. Um, I'm writing a note here. Let's um, let's get out of the John Williams realm, I guess, if you will, and, and go sure. into a different uh, different composer. Another cue that you had chosen is from uh, the film you mentioned earlier, having a big impact, and apparently, in fact, the biggest impact on your choosing film scoring as a career the movie i'm talking about is pirates of the caribbean the cue is called one last shot 
the composer is someone I'm not familiar with. Uh, remind me again, his name was what, Klaus? Uh, his name is Klaus Badelt. Okay. Tell me about why you wanted to choose. Well, I mean, I guess you already have, but maybe yeah. just reiterate why was it that you chose that amongst your favorites? Yeah, I I think, uh, like I said, for whatever reason, this this movie and this score just really spoke to my, at the time, I guess, 15 or 16-year-old brain. Um, just musically, it was the music was real up front. I mean, it was really out there. It was down to, I remember it being, um, pretty close to the action in the sense of like almost Mickey Mouse, um, almost oh, okay. like, a, like almost like a cartoon for you know uh, the swords hit and like you have the hits of the music right like it was it was like so um o- almost in a way like almost old swashbuckling music, um, okay. and that just really that just really you know spoke to me for whatever reason, um, and even on here you can kind of hear uh you know, the, the, the cadence of the swords clashing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is from what I can recall, and I don't know it really well, but it, you're right. It is reminiscent of the so-called swashbuckling films of the thirties and forties or whatever. So yeah, like the, a, like a corn gold score or something. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's have a listen to this for ourselves. And again, this is, uh, from the film pirates of the Caribbean. The cue is called one last shot. And I hope I don't butcher the the uh, composer's <laughs> name, Klaus. Oh, great. Let's see. Bedelt. Bedelt. There you That's go. the composer. So uh, enjoy a little bit of swashbuckling music.
you know, these days, these days, uh, uh, I mean, well, composers are basically uh, independent contractors, right? I mean, you have to, you either search out for work or people search out you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these days it makes no difference basically where you're based. I mean, a lot of people are in Los Angeles or whatever, but uh, you can be based basically anywhere these days. And, And so one of the things I'm kind of curious about is that, where do you, where do you record your scores? Do you have like only one or two different places that you like to record them, or, uh, or does it just kind of depend on the needs of the project? Yeah, I mean, for sure, especially you know post twenty twenty, um, I think you can make the argument you can kind of live anywhere you want. Um, right. I think that the trick really is, um, do you have enough? Uh, is there enough of an industry around? Say, say you're just getting started up. It's a lot harder for you to get started up in central Ohio where there's not, you know, there's not a big film presence in Ohio. Right. Um, you know, you're no not offense be, to Ohio, no, no offense to Ohio. Ohio. Just <laughs> let's just say generally there's a single out Ohio here. No, um, just generally, <laughs> if, if you are in a state without, let's say very little film production, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get started as anything in the film industry. Um, much, just because you don't have that ecosystem to learn in or to even just to get hired in, just to, just to be the, the PA on set or just to be the intern at a composer studio to kind of learn the ropes and, and be the fly on the wall while they work, you know, Um, it's not impossible by any means, but it is not, um, it does present some interesting challenges. Um, once you kind of have cut your teeth and once you kind of know what you're doing, um, and if you have steady clients, it's you can kind of live wherever you want as long as you're willing to travel and kind of um, – if you live somewhere else, you look at me living in wherever you live um, is your problem and not the production's problem. So – Oh, I need to be in LA for a scoring uh, for a scoring session or for a spotting session. Um, well, that's my problem, not not your problem. You know, you don't. I will be there. Don't worry about it. Right, like that. Yeah. That you need to have that kind of mentality. Um, but as for getting started, um, you really have to kind of you have to be, um, you have to be, uh, kind of where the action is to some extent. Yeah. Now that could mean you live in a state that has tax credits and you can network with filmmakers and you, you can start cutting your teeth with other filmmakers you are also starting and you can kind of build a career that way. Um, that's sort of what happened with me. Um, it, 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 the way I started was there was a film production company in Lafayette making TV movies. Um, and I actually took my demo over to them. I gave it to a PA they were out shooting some movie. I, no one was in the office, but this PA, <laughs> I handed him my CD and with had my information on it. I said, all right, see you later. And I go back to class and a director of a movie that was, was getting into post picks up my CD by accident off the desk with a bunch of other stuff. He gets in his car. He's driving, finds the CD in his car, pops it into the, into the, into the CD player. Right. And here's the music's like, oh, this guy's local. And I and then I get a phone call from him. Right. Wow. Just, that was how I got my first actual like real job in the film, in the film music industry. Wow. That wasn't just some random person I knew. 
Um, That's a great story. Yeah, but it doesn't happen if you're not in that in, in a place where people are making stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so my general my general advice is you have to have that like ecosystem of people who are working to be able to to learn and to to grow and to really kind of cut your teeth i keep saying that but but to kind of learn what's going on right like yeah. you you it's very hard to make it at, i mean you can't i mean in post it's like a weird situation because you you can be completely removed from everything because with the internet and zoom and all these different things you can be removed from whatever you're dealing with yeah. but um but you still have to have the people who are going to call you and say hey frank i need you on this movie like i'm not doing this movie without you right right, right. so that's kind of that's kind of the trick right you have to have as a buddy of mine um greg nicolette said he wrote a great article talking directed at young composers he said, it's not necessarily who you know, it's who loves you. Like, who's ready to go to bat for you? Like, I can know Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg is not hiring me. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, it does not matter how well I know any of these people. If they're not going to put their neck out on the line and say, hey, um, I'm, I'm really appreciative for this this opportunity, Disney, but I'm hiring Andrew. Right? Like, uh, yeah. or I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's if you don't have him, you don't have me. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's what you need, right? And and it's it's hard to develop those relationships whenever um, you're just kind of an island under yourself, right? Yeah. Now I am curious. To switch gears real quick because it's something that just popped into my head that I'd be curious about. In in your experience, if you could break it down on percentages, what what percentages of the scores that you've done? were recorded with a live orchestra versus, you know, using computer technology to, because I know that's, you know, that's becoming an issue now as well, or not an issue, but becoming a process that people use to, 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 to do film scores. If you were to break it down, have you done some things that were strictly done electronically versus a live orchestra? Uh, I mean, almost all of it has been electronic. Uh, so I, oh, I, wow. I say that in the sense of um, I've done some early scores that I was doing, where I was layering in players. So I would record a small section of players and layer them in. Okay. Um, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the problem just it's, there's two, there's a two pronged issue. The first is time and the second is money. Right. And, um, and so, I mean, as for like full scores recorded, um, I, the, the answer is zero. Uh, that's, that's been fully recorded with no samples at all. So, um, just it, just for whatever reason, whether it's time, functionality, um, you know, even the scores. So I have two movies coming out in the next couple months. One is called The Old Way, starring Nicolas Cage. That has full live orchestra, but it's there are there are still percussion samples in that score, just because of where we recorded. Um, I I didn't. We did what's called striping. So you so we did like a woodwind string section recording. And then we did a brass recording separately, and it was all recorded by the Budapest Symphony Orchestra in Budapest. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you yeah. to hold off on that because I yeah, do yeah, want to yeah. talk about that here in just a little bit. Yeah, because I I I, I think the short that's answer is only 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 really maybe uh, I mean I probably I don't know how many movies I've scored at this point maybe like sixty I, maybe a total of five have had a decent amount of live players on them. Do you, I, I mean does that? 
Um, yeah, you may not even want to answer this question. Is, does that does that concern you that that we're kind of uh, that? And, and I realize there are legitimate reasons for wanting to do it, but does it concern you that maybe we're moving away from the live orchestra in terms of recording these things? I don't think I don't think you're actually moving away from the live orchestra. I think you actually have more like more orchestral music than you've ever had. Um, I think, and also um, there's places all over the world recording orchestra um that that 20 years ago weren't or even you know so so i think to some extent it's it's you know you don't i think a better analog would be to think okay in the 1970s when there was no other option but maybe recording a few synthesizers here and there like you had to have live players you got a bunch of weird scores that were like five you know five horn players from a big band and bowed piano you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it, they're not, they're not really considered classic scores. Um, and obviously there's this gray area where samples and technology have squashed down music budgets where we're now, you know, where maybe the budget 20 years ago would be, would be a bit bigger because they had to record more of it. Um, but also on the other hand, Recording in places like Budapest and Prague and all these other places have made recording a lot more affordable than it ever was. So movies that would have never had any kind of live orchestra, like it would have been, you know, three musicians and a potato in a studio playing some (laughs) random score now has the option of of having that live orchestra feeling, even if it's samples. And even the possibility of saying, hey, maybe not everything's live, but I'm going to record. I'm going to do what's called a sweetening session. I'm going to record, you know, 10 string players that I'm going to layer on top of that. Yeah, um, okay. That just gives it a little more life. So I I think to some extent, yeah, obviously we go through ebbs and flows of of what people want sonically. But I think that at this point, in my mind, at least the orchestral sound is so ingrained um, it'll go through phases of being in vogue, you know, just how like the 1940s scores came back in the 1980s and then the night, you know, with, with, um, with John Williams doing star Wars and now everyone had wanted, wanted orchestra. And then it goes through phases, right? It goes through these cyclical right. repeats. And I, I, frankly, I've actually been getting called a lot to do more of that, um, big orchestra action adventure sound. Um, cause I'm pretty good at doing mock-ups of it, but generally like I can write that way. Um, so I've been getting called more and more for that. And people have kind of sought me out for that reason. Oh, good. Good. Well, let's, um, another crew you chose. And, and I, I have to, I'm ashamed to admit, I've not seen the film, so I'm not familiar with it. You should. The film's called Tropic Thunder. And the cue you chose is you're my, I mean, I know, I know of the movie. <laughs> uh, the cue you chose was you're my brother. And it's written by a composer. I'm not familiar with Theodore Shapiro. Tell yeah. me a little bit about why you wanted to choose that amongst your favorites. Um, so uh, this score, besides the fact the movie is is hilarious and brilliant, I've um, heard that it it really is like a full on like beautiful action score. Like I, it it's an action comedy, right? But like it was the first movie I have memory of where, uh, even though obviously other people had done it, but um, where. Where like the orchestra, the music did it right in the sense that like the the, it's not slapstick. Like the movie has some slapstick stuff in it, I guess. But, um, but like the score itself is not that. The score is like straight ahead. You're you're the score has to buy into the comedy. I mean, sorry, into the into the like into the bit for the comedy to work. 
So in this sequence, the movie, the premise of the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it is this movie that's supposed to be this, uh, this biopic of a soldier in Vietnam. And, um, and, and it's, it's piloted by all these, you know, these like a washed up action star, a method actor, a comedy actor who's trying to rebrand himself as like a serious actor. And so they're on set of this movie. And this is the opening sequence of, you being introduced to the to the characters in the movie and it's shot through an action sequence and the music is um this this cue comes in whenever Ben Stiller's character is getting like shot up and it's absolutely over the top right it's 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 sending up the movie platoon where he puts his arms up in the air and but <laughs> but in the movie he's just getting completely blown to bits <laughs> And so, like, it's over the top. It's just so ridiculous. But the music is playing it like this is serious, right? Yeah. Okay, and, I understand. Now Now I want to see the yeah, movie. Okay. Exactly. So it, the whole bit, what it, it taught me as a composer is, like, just because you're doing a comedy, uh, like, it, I just thought it, it really worked really well. And so it's like, just because you're doing a comedy doesn't mean you're doing, you know, silly, silly music, right? You're doing serious. It can be very good music written in a way um that is you know uh in, in a serious way that's still good yeah. right it's not just some silly cue yeah i mean that and that's what john barry used to uh, say a lot about the, the the bond scores that he did that for was, sure you know some of the stuff that was going on screen was kind of silly but you know i had to treat it seriously and that's how i did it with the music so. i think mancini did the same thing with uh pink panther as well well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, let's have a listen to this. Again, the cue's called You're My Brother. It's from the film called Tropic Thunder, and it's written by composer Theodore Shapiro.
One way I became familiar with you uh, on Facebook was I was excited to see that you were uh, had gotten a project uh, to work on in a film with uh, Nicolas Cage called The Old Way. Tell us a little bit about how that project came to you and, and uh, just, you know, because we're going to play a cue from it here in a moment. Just tell me a little bit about how that came to you and, uh, and what were your impressions about it and, you know, just the process. So The Old Way actually was an interesting situation. It, it came to my attention through um, two producers, uh, one of which I had worked for before and the other one I knew. Um, Brian Wright was a producer I had actually done work for in the past um, where he had kind of gotten into a tight spot. He needed a composer and, and I happened to be around. Um, so that's an example of one of those, like be in the right place <laughs> situation. Yeah. Um, and so they had this movie that, that they called me about and they said, Hey, we, um, we have this Nicholas cage movie. It was shot in Montana. And, um, and would you be interested in scoring it? Like, we know you do good work, you know? Um, so would you be interested? I was like, yeah, of course it'd be great. Um, and so that was how the first thing came about was I, I knew, these producers and they um and i'd done work for them before right like i had i had kind of uh worked for them before brian is he's financed a lot of stuff as well but that i've worked on but he um he knew my work through through personal experience i guess you should say okay um yeah and and uh you want me to elaborate more on on the process of that experience well, I mean, I, I, I guess uh, not necessarily. I it's it sounds to me like this might be one of the more. I could be wrong. Is this one of the more bigger projects that you've had an opportunity to score? Yeah, yeah. This is one of the bigger ones I've done. Um, and I think what was really interesting about it is that it did become a very collaborative experience. Um, uh, what what kind of stood out to me about the movie generally was that. Um, so Nicholas Cage does not play Nicholas Cage. Um, <laughs> and and I think anyone who who likes Nicholas Cage will understand like he he has a uh, a type of role oh, sure. he tends to do and he's known for that which is great. I'm you know awesome. But one of the first things that struck me about the movie was um first it's shot in Montana. So it has like big sky country, you know, vistas, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um which is great. But also it's Nicolas Cage like kind of playing against type. He plays the more reserved, um, more reserved gunslinger. So he's a, it's a little more um, in the vibe of like uh, a classic studio Western versus um, some of these more modern Westerns are very, um, you know, very gritty and very action packed right. all the time. Every time, you know, every time people see each other, they're shooting at each other. Um this is much more like classic studio Western vibe, um, which, which, you know, I grew up watching some of those. My dad was a big fan of those. So, you know, true grit, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, So it was exciting to do that. And then also another thing that made that excited me as we went was um, originally when they approached me, they had said, Oh, we want more of like a guitar driven score, Um, which is like, that's fine. We can do that. That's not a big deal. I play guitar personally. So awesome. Um, and then as like, as time went on, um, before, so they, that was like, as they were editing, they, they contacted me originally. And then as time went on, they said, okay, actually, like, we don't think we want that. We think we sure. want more of like a, a true grit, older style score because it just, the, the, um, 
the guitar stuff just felt too intimate. So there are intimate moments in the movie, but like it just never got big enough sonically um, to feel like it had this big breadth and scope that they wanted and that the visuals demand. Um, but just the, the more intimate sound didn't work. So, um, so from there we pivoted to go, um, to go towards this, this other sound. Um, thankfully I hadn't really written anything at that point. We, we had just been talking about it. Um, and so I met with the director and we kind of talked it through and, and then, um, they sent me like a little bit of rough, a rough cut of the movie, actually not of the movie, but like of a specific, there's an action sequence in the opening. Um, and so they sent me a portion of that and I was so excited. I actually scored it as like a pitch of like, this is what I'm thinking. Um, and actually funny enough, like the director, I think that's partly what really sold the director on me was this opening sequence that I scored. And then, um, also they, we, we, we tweaked it a bit, but, but, uh, I don't know, maybe 80% of it is actually the, what's in the movie now. Um, and then the, the actual, um, the actual first cue I wrote is in the movie. It's actually in the end credits. Um, the version I wrote originally is in the end credits. Um, which I think is interesting. Like, I don't know how many times the first, basically first version of a cue gets into the final movie. Um, yeah. you know, but it, it was a great experience and we recorded it, um, over in Budapest, um, you know, and, and just because of the nature of modern technology, I'm able to be in my studio, albeit early because they're seven hours, eight hours, nine hours. I don't remember how many hours ahead of us they are. Um, but they're, they're, you know, half a day ahead of us. Um, so I'm able to sit in my studio, you know, drink coffee, listen to the score being recorded, give them live feedback as we go. My orchestrator is in, is in, um, Michigan. My mixer, huh. my mixer is in, uh, is in Germany. Um, and my music editor and the, and the producers, well, some of the producers are in Louisiana. Some of the music, the music editors in LA, you know, like truly Holy an international, you know, an, an international effort. Uh, but we're all able to just do that through the internet and no, no issues at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you kind of anticipated a question I was going to ask was that, Oh, so did, did you go to Budapest? And apparently not. And apparently you didn't have to. So that's, that's, I appreciate you sharing that. That's fascinating. You see that that's how that process worked. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things where, um, if you're traveling to Budapest, the cost, you're just eating up costs that you could be putting into production of the score. Yeah. You know, oh, and right. I, I almost forgot the, the fiddle player and banjo player are in Nashville. Um, yeah. so, you know, like it's just truly, they're just truly all over the place, you know? Yeah. Well, let's have a listen to this. I, I believe the cue you wanted to highlight, uh, if I remember correctly, it's, you're going to be a hero. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's uh, it's from the film. A uh, new film is going to be coming out soon, starring Nicolas Cage. The uh, the film's called The Old Way, and it's written by our guest, Andrew Morgan Smith.
Andrew, I'm kind of curious, are there any uh, any other projects that that we haven't talked about that are coming down the road that you might want to highlight or talk about? Yeah, I, I mean, so so the obviously the initial one is this, uh, The Old Way, it comes out in theaters, it's going to have a short run in theaters in January 6th is the day that hits theaters. Um, so check out, see if it's anywhere near you. Uh, and then uh, it'll be on VOD, so like video on demand on January 13th. Oh, okay. Um, and the score hopefully will be out on streaming services around that time as well. We're still trying to finalize all that information. Um, uh, additionally, uh, I have another movie that'll probably be out in March called Bunker, which is an interesting movie. It's a World War One based horror movie. Huh. So if you're into like body horror, um, you know, that is uh, an interesting movie that's going to be coming out. It's kind of shot in medium format and the way it's acted and the way it's shot is supposed to look older. So it's shot all on sets. It's not shot, you know, elsewhere. It was shot up in Buffalo, New York. And it, the director kind of approached me with that, that idea of like, hey, what if a 1940s composer was scoring a horror movie? Like with modern technology, what would that sound like? Um, so that was the pitch on that score, which was very interesting to me. I bet. Yeah. And that is also recorded with Budapest. Did the same same thing we did with huh. uh, the old way, just uh, slightly different. There's no banjo in it and no fiddle. So uh, <laughs> it's more of like a straight ahead orchestra, orchestral horror movie, kind of in the vein of like Jerry Goldsmith's Aliens or, or Alien and J- James Horner's Aliens, um, which is cool. Um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. those are kind of the big things, uh, that are, that are coming down the pipe at the moment, you know? Okay. And if, and if people want to kind of follow you or keep track of what you've got going on and those sorts of things, do you, uh, how would you uh, recommend that to people? I mean, I know you're course, on Facebook yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yeah. You can check me out on Facebook. Uh, just as Andrew Morgan Smith. I have my artist page, but also I have andrewmorgansmith.com, which is my website. I also have a YouTube page. Uh, which I think is listed as Andrew Morgan Smith music, um, which I do some, although I've been remiss lately, but uh, I do videos, whether it's behind the scenes or a little bit of uh, advice for directors, advice for composers, um, sometimes uh, tips and stuff like that. Uh, Sometimes some behind the video, some behind the scenes video of scoring sessions. So um, like I'll probably be releasing some video from behind the scenes of both the old way and bunker. Um, once I once the movies are kind of released and I can actually get the material out there, so oh, wow, um, that's kind of the. Well, I'll look forward to that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, man. Excellent. Well, you know, listen, Andrew. I, I, as as we mentioned early on, it took a while for us to kind of get together and, and to do this, but it, uh, in my view, it was certainly well worth the wait and the effort. I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you today. I, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough. Oh, believe me, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, for our listeners, uh, we will be uh, recording a, a bonus episode for our uh, patrons uh, that you'll be able to listen to. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, Andrew's uh, score for his latest project. Uh, for those of you that aren't patrons, we'd appreciate you checking it out on pay, uh, patreon.com slash what's the score. Uh, we appreciate your support, regardless whether you're a patron or not. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and thanks again to our guest, Andrew Morgan Smith, for joining us today. So. I guess with that, there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this, that my name's Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score.